Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one, welcome all. It is the NFC East Mixtape presented to you in partnership by Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation. I am RJ Ochoa from BTB. He is Brandon Lee Gowden from BGN. You can listen to this show every single week on both the Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation podcast networks. It is, in that sense, the most unique, the most incredible, the most hardworking show that SB Nation puts out. Wouldn't you agree, BLG? RJ, this is the NFC East mixtape in its prime. The season mm-hmm. finally here with the real games being played. Mm. And I've started the podcast off with some questions for you. Really holding oh. your feet to the fire, grilling you like the journalist that I am. Mm. Uh, just one simple question for mm. you this week. I think mm. you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. 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 Which NFC East team is the mm. only team to win and is in sole first place Good job. Good job with words, journalist. <laughs> After week one, who is it? That would be the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm secure enough in my fandom, in in my team's and future, fandom. in yep. in my mm-hmm. team's future, uh, to to say this with with full confidence. Uh, wow. Congratulations to the Eagles. Congratulations to you, BLG, the content king. Uh, a week like this is what BLG was built for. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Brandon, this season is what the NFC East mixtape was built for. We've been saying. For a very long time that this show was going to be amazing when the regular season hit. We have a lot to get to. We're going to recap every single game that was played uh, from an NFC's team in some capacity uh, here on the show. And we will look forward to week two's worth of action in the division. Of course, we have our first division rivalry game going on this week, BLG. But a few things, few points of housekeeping before we move on. Uh, we always encourage everybody to uh, subscribe to both the Blog of the Boys and Bleeding the Nation podcast networks. Leave a rating, five stars on both, and write a review. If you've already written review, a review for your favorite blog, go to the other one. The cross review, as BLG has coined it. Say whatever you want. You can tell the Eagles how week one was a mirage. They're going to come back down to earth against the 49ers this week. You can come to BTB and tell us how jealous you are that we have better uniforms, better people, and a better history. But uh, we do have one review, BLG, that comes to us on the blog and the boys' side from A.Daug. And that's Daug, D-A-W, with four Gs. It says, greatest crossover event on history until the three Spider-Mans show up. So looking forward to uh, the new Spider-Man movie, obviously. Uh, And we only have BLG and RJ to thank. I'm reading it word for word, BLG. Uh, Eagles fan here, giving this platform a follow and a five-star because I was told to. And somehow giving this flaming dung heap that is the Dallas Cowboys my attention just because you said you're legally obligated to answer my question on the pod. Mm -hmm. My question is less of a question and more of a request. I want BLG's take on ZM and to hear him gloat about the Cowboys' premier O-line as much or more fragile than the Eagles, who we always hear is an injury away from disaster. Anyway, good job. Happy Labor Day. This was a week ago. And let's watch some football. 
very good review what is the question (laughs) i don't understand what do they want me to do i think the question is a Oh, ZM is is, is the point of, I guess, the, the point of criticism, like how he's more fragile than anybody else because he was on the COVID list, I, I mm. think. Um, so I'm not totally certain. Uh, I wish we could read more into that, but I think I think the insinuation was that you bag on the Eagles offensive line for being fragile. So not pointing that finger myself, but that's um, what the reviews seem to implicate. What's more, BLG, this doesn't come to us uh, from a rating or a review. But last week, like we do for every Dallas Cowboys game, we had our live post-game show, Blog and the Boys. People can watch on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. And we had an NFC East mixtape listener venture in and gave us a super chat during the stream. So very huge, massive, ultra shout-out to Johnny Heller, who commented on his super chat and said, Eagles fan from the NFC East mixtape, love your content. That's Dallas Cowboys content. Thought Cedric Wilson stepped up with Gallup Hurt. BLG, these are Johnny's exact words. You guys look scary. Boom. <laughs> well, I I respect the passion, but the sentiment is wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry. Well, uh, last, last, last thing. Um, I had a lot of housekeeping things. So we have a big show. But um, I once put out into the NFC's mixtape Ether, uh, that I was looking for an NHL game and our listeners delivered. And I was talking to a, a listener, uh, Josh, who does a great job running a Madden League with his family and friends uh, and who does a great job running a PGA 2K Society. And so uh, he's helping us with a project for Blogging the Voice that's coming up. So an Eagles fan is helping us at Blogging the Voice. Uh, so I just wanted to say, you know, we've, we've got some great people hanging out around here. I feel like you're just stalling. It's like you, you can't. You're, where, you're do you, where do you want to start? Where do you? I mean, I'm just I'm trying to reward the listeners. That's the whole point. Here, I think we, we got to keep the lights on. So we start with the team that's in first place, RJ, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles, who are again the only team to be one and zero in the NFC East. Every other team lost, including the Cowboys, and mm-hmm. were the first team to lose in the NFL this season. Although mm-hmm. they were the only team to officially get a moral victory. So that is the best moral uh, victory possible. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into I that saw later. this in your power yeah. rankings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, we actually, I don't know if you remember this, made a rule that we would talk about the team who was leading the division first. So that is the Philadelphia yes. Eagles. Uh, big time win, huge win, 32 to six. Uh, matchup of rookie head coaches. I thought Nick Sirianni did what Arthur Smith did not. And I do, I don't want to call us a Halloween or anything like that. I'm very interested mm. to see who the Falcons are over the course of the season um it does and i kind of feel this way about the saints win to be fair over the packers like it it, it felt a little fluky is not the right word but it felt a little mm. like i really want to see this team again and that's how i feel about the eagles jalen hurts finishing uh with the second best offensive and passing grade from pff among quarterbacks very elite stuff from jalen uh which just upsets you because you never believed uh in jalen hurts we all know that well on the so record untrue. uh Devontae smith caught a touchdown in his rookie debut uh, there's a, an interesting history, certainly between the Eagles and Falcons. So if this is the beginning of a new era for the Eagles, I think it was appropriate that it came against this team specifically. Um, I will say my one takeaway, this had nothing to do with the game, was how weird it was that you couldn't really discern whether or not Dallas Goddard caught that touchdown just because of the shadow mm. and the color <laughs> of the end zone and his jersey. I think he caught it, but I just, I think that's a weird detail. Like I've never really felt like the actual aesthetics were an issue in terms of determining whether or not a catch was made uh but an impressive performance nonetheless from philadelphia well that was a really good throw by the way uh oh kinda, man that throw is sick for sure 
and it showed up more in like the all 22, which uh, it, Fran Duffy uh, kind of pointed out Eagles uh, producer uh, put that out there. Cause when you looked at it from like, you know, the back end view that Dallas Carter wasn't just like open. He wasn't like rolling open. Like there was a defender in front of where Dallas Goddard ultimately ended up catching the ball and Jalen Hurts had the wherewithal and Dallas Goddard, like they were on the same page for Jalen Hurts to throw a ball into a tight window and, and trust his uh, tight end to make a big play like that. So that was huge. That whole drive, honestly, RJ was really big. Like if you're looking for Jalen Hurts franchise quarterback, like that drive, that Eagles two minute drill where he just, he looked in total command of the offense. He knew where to go with the ball. When plays broke down, he had the wherewithal. Are you, there I am using that word again mm, to scramble. wherewithal show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, get the first downs. Like that was, and then it was it was a huge point in the game because the Eagles uh, get a score there, and then the Falcons commit a penalty on the extra point. And Nick Sirianni, who, as you pointed out, was also very good in his debut. I, I love this. Was aggressive and went for two from the one yard line instead love of just settling for the. It's such a. Like I almost hate giving him credit for it because it's such the obvious decision, yeah. but like I have to because not enough coaches do it. Like, it's it's so like it's easy. It's one yard for an extra, not an extra point because that's a one point, but an an additional point I should say, and uh, and it was big too because it gave the Eagles a two possession lead because they went up nine instead of eight. So just like a really great job by the quarterback, really great job by the coach there. I think a lot of the things about the Eagles week one RJ were sustainable. I totally like we'll admit that I think the Falcons are terrible and like mm-hmm. could be like, you know, top three pick kind of bad. What were they? They are fourth this past season. Like <laughs> they're really bad. They are, they are very, very bad team. Their secondary stinks, which, you know, hurts, helps Jalen hurts. Um, they're just not good along the trenches really outside of uh, Grady Jarrett. Um, that, that team is not going anywhere, but I think a lot of things with that being said, again, about the Eagles win were sustainable in terms of the offensive line looks good. That's real. The defensive line created a lot of pressure. I think that's real. So there are some, I mean, RJ, the Eagles defense didn't allow a play over 20 yards. The only team in the NFL to not do that. That's crazy. And they didn't allow a touchdown. They allowed some yards early in the game and that kind of looked concerning. There was some poor tackling, but like for all the talk about Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, which there should be like Jonathan Gannon in his first game as a defensive coordinator. And again, think about that. His first game as a defensive coordinator going up against like some legitimate competition in this, in the terms of like a veteran quarterback and Matt Ryan, a, you know, Calvin Ridley has proven that he can be a number one receiver in the NFL. And then Kyle Pitts, who everyone was maybe hyping up a little too much prior yeah. to Jeff. Uh, yeah. So it was just a good showing all around. There's really nothing to like, like poke holes at from this game. I feel like nothing in a big way. People can listen to both you and I on the SB Nation NFL show every week. Another feed we encourage you to subscribe to, leave a rating, and write a review for as well. Uh, on Mondays, uh, Michael Kist, formerly of BGN Radio, but got way too big for his britches and moved on, um, used to hand out the Yeet of the Week on Monday Football Monday. And I uh, I picked up the mantle from him this week, and I gave it to another NFC's player in Terry McLaurin, but I almost gave it to Brandon Graham for taking Mike mm. Davis's soul. Um mm. That was impressive. Uh, yeah, you're right. The context of the opponent, it's still hard to fully determine, though, whether the Falcons are trash. Did they have a bad week one? Did the Falcons stabilize? It does seem like they're going to be really bad. Uh, I'm really interested to see Philly against San Francisco to get a, a better bearing, a stronger bearing for who they are. But ultimately, mm-hmm. this game to me felt like um, I don't want to say I think you came around on the Eagles over the course of the offseason, but I think the general temperament of the Eagles came around. Everybody thought this team's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. It's going to be Houston Texans-ish, a team that also played really well 
uh, in a vacuum in week one, but that morphed into like, this team's at least going to be fun to watch. And that that's what this was. It was a, you know, Hey, this is stable football. Even though this team is rebuilding, there's clearly signs of promise. Jalen Hurts has signs of promise. That's the most exciting thing. Certainly very cool again to have Devonte Smith score. Um, I mean, overall it checked a lot of boxes and a lot of right ways for a team that, that needs some juice. Um, it would have been awesome, I think, if the Colts had won. That would have made it the perfect weekend for obviously, uh, you know, the Eagles. Although the Dolphins won too, so that sucks, I guess. If you're if you're really rooting for a lot of different things, but yeah, I mean, I'd say a, a solid seven to eight out of ten day for Philly. I'm quite okay with the Colts losing. Although I don't know if you mm. heard this, RJ, but it is not Carson Wentz's fault at all. Oh my gosh, zero percent his fault. The offensive line, which everyone said was like the best offensive line in the NFL prior to the season, is now somehow the worst offensive line ever. I do want to say that I know this is the NFC East mixtape, but um, there was a tweet from Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for the Athletic, who tweeted something to the effect of like, oh, man, the Colts offensive line hasn't played this badly in years. And I wanted to like mm. scream at him like, yeah, I wonder what the difference is. Uh, but I quoted that tweet. Uh, we did a blog on the boys and said, you know, the like Carson Wentz is doing his offensive line no favors. And all the replies were like, oh, you've got it backwards. You've got it wrong. It's actually the other way around. It's like, no, 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 no. This is Carson's fault. We can we we have the data to just to, to come to this conclusion. Uh, so yeah, uh, tough cookies for Carson Wentz. Oh, who was a little bit gutsy though. I'll give him that. He was he, he took some shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, but um, yeah. All right. That's not about this. The last thing I think I want to say on the Eagles in terms of like me being negative on them before. I mean that did change. Like as I saw this team practice well throughout training camp, I, I said I thought they had a very successful training camp in terms of avoiding injuries, in terms of the vibes being good. How many times, RJ, have I talked about vibes? I literally wrote an article the day before the season on Saturday evening about like the Eagles have good vibes they have positive vibes going into the season and i don't know what that means exactly in terms of them like all of a sudden being a super bowl contender or even winning in week one but i think when you have the vibes plus you have a little bit of a talent and things are going right like that's something there and i had a lot of confidence they were going to beat the falcons i thought that was like a steal that the eagles were three and a half point underdogs or three point underdogs whatever they were going into that game I'm like this is i i, I like them outright so yeah i'm obviously going to take the points um I think what we learned about the Eagles, RJ, is they're not going to be a bad team this year. Like, I don't know Agreed. if they're a good team, but I know they're not a bad team. I have long said that I think that they are finishing second in the division with a nine and eight to eight and nine record. Um, I mean, you know, I know you're you're enjoying, you know, your Nirvana this week, but I do think the Cowboys will ultimately win this thing. Um, and I, for what it's <laughs> worth, I actually thought that the lines were really friendly for three of the four NFC East games. The Eagles line was really friendly on behalf of the Eagles. I thought there was no way the Cowboys were not going to cover that. That line got to, up to 10 uh, on the day of, of kickoff last Thursday. And the Chargers were only like one and a half point favorites in Washington. I know people were high on Washington, uh, but, you know, that proved to be not exactly fortuitous. I do want to say also on the Nick Sirianni thing, I know you touched on it, but the going for two thing, it, it deserves a lot of props. And you're right. It shouldn't actually garner props because we have so much data that people should know this by now, like NFL coaches specifically. And the final score here is 32 to six. So it gets kind of lost in the fold. But if this had come down to a game winning field goal, whatever, that is th those decisions make the difference. And like Nick Sirianni really does deserve a lot of props for that. Yeah, the other thing is like the Eagles went for it twice on fourth, I think fourth, both fourth and twos, fourth downs, and they didn't get it. And some people are like mad about that. And it's kind of funny to me, though, to me, though, because like you're being like, OK, why didn't the Eagles get the points? Well, the Falcons took the points on their first two drives and then they didn't score again. Like not that the Falcons going for it necessarily would have caused them to win the game, but it could have been a lot closer, could have been yeah. more competitive if they were aggressive. So like, no, 
I don't want to see that. I don't want to be the, see the Eagles be conservative. So uh, I thought that was really encouraging. The the play like the aggressiveness wasn't the issue. It was that the the execution wasn't there. Like mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts bailed the pocket too early in the first for our first fourth down conversion. Like he had a clean pocket and he just left it and he ran into pressure basically and throw a ball away. And then the second one, uh, the exchange between him and Kenny Gainwell just kind of got botched. So like Kenny Gainwell just got stuffed short of the line. So I thought that was really good. Really, again, just really impressive debut for Nick Sirianni who had never called plays prior to this game and in, in a full setting uh and then Jalen Hurts and Gannon it's just it was a really again just a really clean solid win there's there's like little things you can nitpick here and there like too many penalties whatever and, and there were they, they I'm not saying they're perfect they have some things to clean up especially against tougher competition but like there's a lot of juice about this team like coming the Eagles RJ coming to the link back to the link for the first time and with a full crowd since the pandemic started, I mean, like, the Link's going to be rocking this week against the 49ers. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first Eagles game with a full crowd since the playoff loss to the Seahawks. Is that Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, definitely very interesting. Uh, the Eagles host the San Francisco 49ers this week. So definitely uh, we'll, we'll have some stronger context unless Jimmy Garoppolo continues to play uh, next week. And then it will be time for Philly to visit Dallas in week three on mm. Monday Night Football. The Cowboys home opener. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Wait. One more oh. thing before we get into that, RJ. Oh, There's going to be a BGN watch party. Got to plug it real quick. That's right. Yeah. So for our Eagles listeners, or I guess if you're a Cowboys fan, but I don't or know. Anyone who wants to hang out and watch football, or maybe Peyton but, and Eli if they're you know not right. busy doing that, whatever, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're coming to troll. I don't think that's going to be like the best decision you could make. You know, I think everyone can be respectful, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, Pistolas, Del Store, and South Philly information about this on BleedingGreenNation.com. Eagles, Cowboys, watch party. Monday Night Football should be fun. Very, very interested to see how that goes. BLG is going to try to jump on our post-game show that we mentioned at Blogging the Boys, maybe live from the venue, um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully just somber and sad and, you know, morose and all that stuff. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Uh, let's talk about America's team, BLG. Lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-29, to the final score last Thursday night, uh, the season opener. Not Thursday night football. It's a very different thing, different broadcast, different production. Let's get the trademarks right, people. Um, and I'll tell you from a Cowboys perspective, I know you have your power rankings that come out every Tuesday at Blue Green Nation. I have mine as well at Blogging the Boys. And I saw you had the Cowboys at 15th. Is that right? 14th right there? Um, right, what, one spot by- I think it was 14th, yes. right behind the Eagles. 15th. Uh, 15th. Okay, whatever. I was I was close. I had them at 12th. No. I had them. I had the Cowboys climb, and mm. I, you know, we also. <laughs> so we also. I was stunned by this because I, we, you know, we we gather what other outlets do or, or how they rank the Cowboys as well. And USA Today had them climb, but had them <laughs> jump to ninth. Um, that was a little rich for me. I do think uh, we had a conversation, Tony Casillas and I, we do a show with with him, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion on, at Blog and the Voice. He and I talked about this on Tuesday. I think of the teams that lost in week one. I think the Cowboys were arguably the most impressive. The Browns definitely up there. And you can laugh about the moral victory and all, all you want. But, you know, we're getting down to brass tacks. You're talking about the game and the quality of it all. I think the sure. Browns were really impressive. I don't know if I believe in the Packers. I'm you and I are both taking a big L on the Buffalo Bills. It wasn't fun talking to Pete Sweeney about that, as you can uh. imagine. Well, we'll see. But you know, I think the Cowboys, again, if you're if you're grading losses, quality of losses, the fact that they went down to Tampa in the opener, banner night, first game back with fans, period. Uh, the venue where Tampa won their Super Bowl without Zach Martin. I thought Dak Prescott, that might have been his finest hour. Uh, as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And that, you know, there were a lot of befuddling things that happened in this game, Uh, but Dak was on fire. Mark Schofield, who I know does uh, a show here at BGN Radio, uh, did a great job with his first edition of Dak Watch, where he breaks down his performances on our YouTube channel. And that's the biggest sign of optimism that anybody has moving across the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it's very sad, RJ, for you and the Cowboys fans out there. Nobody Nobody is pumped. Like, you've turned this moral victory thing into your own thing. The bar has been dropped so low that it's like, oh, well, we, we only lost by two points to the nobody, reigning Super Bowl Nobody fans. says that. No, nobody oh, is saying that. The idea is they I've lost. I've seen that all over blogging the boys. Oh. I've seen it, RJ. Maybe you're not saying it. Yeah, I mean, like, if, you, if, if you're asking me to take responsibility for every single Cowboys fan yes, in the world, then, then, well, then you're going to have to atone for a lot more than people talking about moral victories. So, I mean, it... It was this was a better team than many people expected them to get blown out and to to look incompetent. Uh, I think was you know and people went too far with their you know disastrous expectations of the team, but they really you know and it's so hard like we talk about context. It's so hard to know what this defense is because they went up against Tom Brady and the Bucks. So it will be interesting to see them against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. But I mean, mm-hmm. there are people who who feel like this this definitely can be a 10-11 win team. Our friends at Bet Online. Uh, if you put any stock into this, still do have the Cowboys favored to win the division, even after week one and not being the only team in the division to win the game. So here's my thing on the other side of it being a moral victory. I think I, I understand why some people have that framing, even if you don't necessarily do. I think you can look at it that way. Like, okay, yeah, we did only uh, lose to the Bucks mm, by we, two points. We. Uh, nice. That is me quoting, not mm, me saying. Mm, um, and no, you can't flip this around to me. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so I just feel like, you know, if the Cowboys were a legitimate Super Bowl contender, 
I feel like they don't lose to a team. I know it's a Super Bowl champs that they edged out plus three in the turnover department. And some of those some of those takeaways by the Cowboys weren't even like amazing plays by the defense as much oh. as they were like total gifts from Tampa Bay. And they, I've gotten, they didn't I've gotten trash for this, by the way. So the Cowboys had four turnovers. The first one, yeah. totally authentic, totally real. Demarcus Lawrence punches that ball out. I mean, right. that's a real classic tried true turnover. The second Trayvon Diggs catches a tip ball from Leonard Fournette. I think that's kind of a 50-50 turnover at best. Uh, you can't count on tip balls in the NFL, but good job by Trayvon capitalizing on it. The third one, the Jordan Lewis interception off the Hail Mary, that doesn't count to me. That's just, right. you know, that's a punt. And yeah. the fourth one, I mean, I, I'm kind of 50-50 on it as well. Devontae KZ's helmet ran into Chris Godwin. You, you can't plan for that. I mean, but I thought Godwin was being like a little reckless there, but yeah, I thought he had a really bad game. That was such a bad game for yeah. Godwin in general. And yeah, like he fumbles, but people forget he also broke like four tackles, you know, before fumbling. And so again, that one's kind of, I'd say, you know, if, if we're really going, you know, to try to put the exact measurement of, of uh, like forced turnovers, I think it's like two and a half, maybe, uh, maybe two ish. So yeah, I mean, and the Cowboys were the only team in NFL history, I believe, or the Bucks rather were the only team to lose yeah. the turnover differential by plus three um, and something else crazy. I think lose time of possession or something and still win right. the game. Uh, and that's just kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a fluky stat. But so to that point, you agree that turnovers aren't like this real thing. So you can't kill them for like, how could you be plus three and still lose the game? I mean, ultimately they were. And ultimately the Cowboys deserve a lot of crap because on the Trayvon interception, they got that ball on the 21-yard line, Tampa's 21-yard line, and they don't score a touchdown. And all last season, we were tracking, you know, starting field position, and it was, man, if they could just get good starting field position, this offense will score. That was where the offense fell. There were definitely red zone deficiencies in the offense on Thursday night. Yeah, so two of the smaller concerns I have, I mean, the kicker, obviously, that's oh, a big dude, issue. man. Like, that's a, that's a part, like, so I kind of... I feel like you you might accuse me, and I'll just get to it, like of being like talking out of both sides of my mouth when like mm. I thought I, I moved the Browns up on my power rankings because I but I thought Ooh. like they showed they belonged more against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, which is a very that's I think that's tougher to play than the Bucks. I know the Bucks won the Super Bowl, but uh, in the I building, like, no big deal. But okay, I okay, I feel <laughs> like yeah, I feel like the the Browns though, like by contrast, showed things that I'm confident in moving forward. Whereas the Cowboys, I thought there was a little bit more concerns that were here. I mean, but between the defense, which Jordy touched on, the kicker, Mike McCarthy, letting the Cowboys down once again with poor game management, the fourth down decisions and everything, lack of aggressiveness. I guess, though, the biggest concern, when I mean, you touched on Dak, and, like, I'm a Dak hater, so obviously this is, like, on brand for me. But I, but honestly, though, I, like, I know he had a good game. But, like, he I had just had an thought, incredible like, game. He didn't have a good game. He had an incredible game. But he didn't look right to me. Like he didn't look right. That's I know. So stupid he, to be like. I know did. he had a great game, but I, he didn't fit my eye. He he didn't look right. Tell me, I, totally that I am crazy. He couldn't it's zip crazy. the ball. He was floating everything. I feel like defenses are going to be able to figure that out. They're going to challenge him to zip the ball. He's not going to be able to do it because that shoulder isn't completely right. Also, he looked more limited as a runner than ever. He actually finished as PFF's sixth worst graded running quarterback. And like, I'm not just saying that after the fact. I thought during the game, like he didn't look like the same Dak mobility wise coming off the ankle injury like he didn't look like the fully same uh, Dak to me and to his credit he still had a good game like you said despite that but I don't know I'm, I'm still concerned about that that's not like oh I'm not worried about it at all 
so I think the mobility thing running just wasn't in the cards for the Cowboys, like in general. And I think people, people look at that game. Dak was only sacked one time. And a lot of Cowboys fans are like, Oh, the offensive line played really well. And that really wasn't the case. Only two Cowboys offensive linemen finished with better pass blocking grades than their tight ends. And one of them was Connor McGovern, who was the last, not last minute, but the last week minute start for Zach Martin, uh, the aforementioned ZM. And so, Cowboys offensive line didn't do particularly well. And it was very clearly not their MO to run into this Bucks front. I mean, so I don't like, I don't lean on that. I totally disagree that he didn't have any zip on the ball. I thought he did float one. Uh, the incompletion to CD Lamb early on, where CD was kind of sliding back and it dropped behind him. That's the only like poor throw that I can really put on deck. The the throw that was criticized the most was the interception because he threw it looked like at first he threw into like quadruple coverage and it's like what are you doing you're trying to force things whatever i thought mark did a great job breaking this down on deck watch and even chris collinsworth i thought did a great job uh after the fact on the broadcast once we got the alternative angles that's on cd and i mean if you know the old like if it hits you in the hands you should catch it. that didn't just hit cd in the hands like that right. was a perfect catch him like yeah he's yeah, gonna I take it i mean and this was you know we all do winners and losers across SB Nation. I write the winners and losers at BTB. CD was one of my biggest losers from this game. Yeah. Greg Zerline uh, was the biggest loser for obvious reasons. Right. And, jo and John Fossil, because that's his guy. He's the dude riding for Greg Zerline. But CD, this was such, this was his worst game as a professional, his worst game, certainly with Dak Prescott. And he was at one point in time, Dak was like two of seven on targeting CD and 15 of 15 targeting everybody else. And so, I, I really thought that throw, though, that CD ultimately tipped and became an interception, that was an incredible throw from Dak Prescott. And that he did zip. He put that like on a on a dot. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and so the other thing that I and I was fascinated about this when when Mark broke it down on Dak watch at the very end, CD did have the big third down conversion that helped the Cowboys get in the field goal range when they did take the lead briefly. And CD broke mm, out of briefly. his well, whatever CD broke out of his route to his left. And there was there was a defender coming in behind him. And I thought Mark noted, and this is we don't know, so it's it's difficult to give Dak credit for this, but Dak throws it to CD's outside side where CD's breaking, which allowed him to carry his momentum. And I just thought that like if Dak is truly operating at that level, I mean it's the best version of Dak we've ever seen. Kellen Moore mentioned, I'm sure you saw this floating around, that the Cowboys had 18 uh pass or 18 run plays called uh Dak Prescott audible out of a majority of them so Dak Prescott's you know offensive understanding offensive you know wherewithal is at the highest level we've ever seen it for the Cowboys I mean this was his first game back and he was just about perfect I mean the Cowboys offense as a whole was really flawed their red zone efficiency was really flawed and Zeke Elliott was also he he was an incredible pass blocker but the, the one play against or out in space in the red zone he can't make one man miss and the cowboys have to settle for a field goal that's a really big bummer zeke's cooked man been saying it i don't i will say this um and look this is like let's make you know lemonade out of lemons i guess um i am happy that the cowboys are not of the minds because we see teams in the nfl do this saying well that's a that's our guy we paid him 90 million dollars so you better <laughs> use him you know what i mean like so I respect that they are, at least can understand that they've, you know, you know, invested in some horrible contracts, but um, it is what it is. The biggest um, kind of 
I guess, like reaction to this game or has been the fallout. Michael Gallup out three to five weeks with a calf injury. Mm. Uh, and Lyle Collins is suspended for the next five games. And at the time of this recording, BLG and I recording Tuesday afternoon, Randy Gregory is still on the COVID list. He was added on Monday when Zach Martin was activated off of it. There is some hope that he'll be able to play on Sunday. But the Cowboys next five games, BLG, at the Chargers on Sunday, the Eagles we mentioned next week on Monday Night Football, then the Panthers, mm. then the Giants, then in New England before their bye. So they have five games before their bye. Lyle Collins will obviously miss those. I think the Cowboys will try to ride Michael Gallup's injury out into the bye to give him that extra week. Uh, but yeah. we'll see. He is on IR, so he does have to miss at least three weeks. But um, they are down two offensive starters for now and for a little bit of time, it seems. So kind of what I've been talking about with the Eagles, but the opposite for the Cowboys, I just don't like, I don't love the vibes for your sake. I just don't mm. think they're great right now. I don't think like, you know, the whole deck, the weird summer stuff, I'm not going to rehash that, but all of that. And then Collins getting suspended and then Gallup getting hurt and then the loss in week one and then a potential loss in week two and then an obvious loss in week three and starting out 0 and 3. So uh, I, I mean, I just, I don't love this start of the season for the Cowboys. Like, I don't think this portends well for like this breakthrough season. It could be a season they still win the division. It could be a season you know they may even win a playoff game, but like I just don't, again, and I think that's significant, as I said before, because I think they have a window right now, especially with the receivers on this team and the talent that they have right here, right now, that they kind of have to capitalize on this. And I just kind of don't think they will. I thought Amari Cooper was incredible. By the way, you mentioned the receivers. Like, people are so quick to just, and we did it too. You know, CeeDee Lamb's the alpha on this team. Michael Gallup's amazing. Like, Amari gets the fewest headlines. He was remarkable in this game. Um, so, shout out to him. Um, I'll say this now. I think the Cowboys should be, maybe not quite need to be, but somewhat need to be at least four and two heading into the bye, which I think is very doable. I, I know you're going to say the Chargers game's a coin flip, uh, but after that, Eagles, Panthers, Giants, Patriots, they should win. I mean, they should beat the Eagles. I, I know you're not going to be willing to say that right now, but especially at, especially at home, um, they should easily beat the, the Panthers and the Giants. I think you definitely agree with that. Um, so this Chargers game is important. It's so hard to know what that New England game is going to be like once Mac Jones has a little bit more time under his belt, uh, but four and two should be the goal for the Cowboys. Um, BLG, we can now kind of shift into discussing Washington and New York both simultaneously, I guess, while also previewing Thursday yeah. night football to a degree uh, because it is those two teams playing one another. I think the Giants, I, I saw this on Tuesday. Um, the uh, Saquon Barkley, I don't know if you saw this, uh, BLG, was by next-gen stats standards the least efficient running back in week one. Wow. What a <laughs> shocker. The I, I guy think... who... <laughs> who didn't like have a healthy offseason was going to come into this whose coordinator is literally the least efficient and innovative offensive mind in the NFL right now right no it's <laughs> the longest run i believe of his was 5 yards and look you know the i think the broncos defense obviously is good so i'm not going to say it wasn't like he was facing the worst run defense and he couldn't do anything but yeah i mean We've said this, like going into it wasn't just about like, hey, can Saquon make it? Can he play in week one? Like, that's not the question. The question is, like, when is he going to be 100 percent? Like, that's a big that's the bigger deal. That's a bigger question. And it just looks like more of the same from the Giants here. RJ, as you've been saying uh, all along, uh, they look really bad. Can't protect Daniel Jones. I don't know if you saw that clip of Nate Solder just getting like wrecked at right. Like not even wrecked. is That's not even the right word. Like he just like watched uh Yvonne Miller just go by him uh really bad Daniel Jones by the way I think now is 30 fumbles in 28 games That's like correct. it's just it's not gonna stop like quarterbacks who fumble a ton I think I don't think it just stops when you once you get to a certain point 
I um I don't want to turn this into like a we're evaluating stupid things thing, but I think you would agree. Dak Prescott is the kind of quarterback that players fight for, right? Like they'll, you know, they'll swing for Dak Prescott. I think they'll swing Jill for Hurts Jalen Hurts. Too, yeah, yeah. That, no, that's uh, that's my point. Is there are quarterbacks like that? This has nothing to do with Daniel Jones, but I saw Jared Goff after the Lions loss uh, in his you know media session was saying, you know, this is a team that fights. They fight for each other. They fight for me. And I thought I was like, what is what? <laughs> like, what do you mean they fight for you, Jared? I thought that was so weird. Uh, but along those lines. There's no way that the Giants are fighting for Daniel Jones. I mean, unless it's literally at their own practice, but and yeah. with each other. But it just there's no juice, as you love to say. It, and this this team sucks. I mean, that's really what it is. Like yeah. they are boring. And like it's actually even. I don't know if you feel this way. I am. I never ever enjoyed the red zone cut to them. You know, because it's like it's not overcast, but it's dark. Like it just it looks unenjoyable in every sense. I can't imagine feeling good. Uh, about anything happening for the New York Giants. And so, yeah, credit to me, because I said all along that this team sucked. You believed a little bit more than I did, uh, which means you were less right than I was. Did you see the thing with Joe Judge in terms of... So you saw, like... Yes, please explain this. So he challenges a scoring A Broncos touchdown. It's Broncos touchdown. Which you can't do. And by the way, it was, like, very clear that the Broncos touchdown was legit. It wasn't like... Like that Dallas Goddard thing you were talking about earlier, I was like, kind of gray ma- area. It doesn't matter tell. whether it's legit or not, though. But it, but go ahead. Well, I'm saying it makes it even worse that like it right. wasn't even like something to worth throwing a challenge flag for. And then he justified it after the game by being like, basically, like I wanted the refs to hear how mad I was, like, and not so many Stupid. words. Like he he Stupid. threw the flag because he wanted their attention. Like he's such a big baby, and it's it's so hypocritical too from the guy who's like you know like harps on like you know it's all about details and we got to get everything right. And if you don't, then we're gonna run laps in practice. Well, it's like Joe Judd's like running laps today because he should be like well, this explain, organization. Explain what he did because you you also you left out the most important part because he what? It, the the play is is first of all not really up for debate as you, as you mentioned but he challenged yeah. it which you cannot do so he on a scoring like, play that's yeah. like that's a rule you can't do that and he costed his team a timeout like you know like people players get killed for that all the time you know what i mean like player and like they get killed for it, like turnovers and things like that but if a player calls a timeout when the timeout shouldn't have been called every fan is like what an idiot you shouldn't be doing that you should know better how do you not know the rules you're the head coach like how do you how do you not know the rules? How do you not know that you can't challenge a scoring play? And it's not even like it's not like false start that you literally can't challenge. It's you can't challenge it because they're going to review it. You know like like the the thing you're trying to accomplish is already going to be accomplished. Um just what a disaster, dude. One of the worst head coaches, one of the worst general managers, one of the worst quarterbacks, one of the worst offensive coordinators, one of the worst just general vibes in the entire National Football League. I've said it before RJ and I'll say it again. The New York Giants are paying the penance for that BS fluky Super Bowl that they had in 2011. It, Both it was of not us. Yeah, well, I think the first one was a little bit more legit than the sure, second sure, one. Sure. Yes, but like the second like the second one was such garbage BS and I just feel so validated with all these giant struggles since then. Like they weren't a model organization. That was my argument at the time. It was like, this isn't like a team that you want to be like, they just happen to get incredibly lucky, which happens in the NFL. You can't take it away in terms of they have the trophy, but like, I wasn't wrong in terms of like, like that whole experience, that whole run was like a gaslighting thing because it's like, I know they're not, they don't deserve this. This isn't like a deserved effort. And sure enough, they don't because again, as we point out, and continue to point out, and I really hope the Jets win here, RJ, because then we can just say the Giants are solely 
uh, at the bottom of wins in oh, the NFL since, since, since 2017. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really want the Jets to win before the Giants do, just so we can say that. And that might happen because they play on Thursday night. So on the Washington side of things, Ryan Fitzpatrick injured early in this game. I have said many a time that I don't believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick. However, you never want to see any player get hurt. This is a division rivalry show. We all hate each other, but injuries suck no matter who they happen to. Um, the MO on this BLG is he's going to be out six to eight weeks uh, with the hip injury that had a super medical name that I'm not going to get into. Uh, yep. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is now on injured reserve. These are the next eight weeks. So I, I always like to look at the the larger volume on the side of, of projected timelines here uh, at New York, or excuse me, they host New York on Thursday night. You mentioned that uh, they visit the Bills next week. Uh, who probably will bounce back. Then they visit the Falcons, who are garbage. So, you know, you never know. Then they host the Saints. Yikes. They host the Chiefs. Double yikes. They visit the Packers. And while the Packers were really bad, they're not this bad. Uh, then they visit the Broncos. Great defense. Not exactly a good thing for Taylor Heineke. For anybody who's listening, his name is not Tyler. Um, and then they uh, they have their bye week. And the first game out of the bye, which is nine weeks from now, so seemingly when Ryan Fitzpatrick could return, is against the Buccaneers. Um, this is tough cookies uh, for the Washington football team. I mean, maybe the Giants get a win this week because they have been able to beat Ron Rivera. At least they did twice last year. Um, but yeah, Washington's in a weird spot. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what to make of, of Taylor Heineke. Like he, he seems to be playing better than anyone like should reasonably expect for a guy who was an XFL backup before he came back to play for Washington. Um, it maybe there isn't going to be a big drop off from him. From I don't know. Like, I don't know fully what to expect. I think the Bears, not the Bears. Uh, well, yeah, I think the Bears should trade Nick Foles to Washington. I think Washington should want him because um, they should do something. It's weird to me that they literally want to do nothing at quarterback. It doesn't sound like they're going to sign Cam, which I think is fine. So I think Cam is kind of donezo anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird situation, uh, and I think their defense. I think they're gonna be like they're gonna fight. They're not gonna be a walkover team. I just I don't think they're gonna be like a cakewalk team because they still have some things going for them. But yeah, I mean certainly outlook not as good right now. Um, I saw and I'm sure you did. RG three is petitioning the football team to sign him. And <laughs> is this uh, real? It, well, so look, fine, you know, sell yourself, RG3. I respect, you know what I mean? Like, make your money. I'm fine with this. But the tweet he used, the video he used, BLG, was, uh, I know you remember his huge touchdown run against the Minnesota Vikings his rookie year um, along the along the sideline, the left sideline. Yeah. Uh, very, very well-known play. But it's like, RG3, this was nine years ago, you know? <laughs> like, you know, And you want to is- go back? Yeah, well, like that's the like, thing. Why does like, he want to go back? I don't know. But my thing is, like, you know, are we really out here hyping up things from nine years ago? Like that, like that's your your exhibit A for who you are today. You know what I mean? Like it's nine years ago, the Giants were defending Super Bowl champions from the fluky title. You know what I mean? Like that's how long ago it was. So I thought it was interesting. You know, he didn't have a single highlight from last year with the Baltimore Ravens, but you know, nine years ago. Watch out. You know, that version of RG3 is definitely coming back. How about this? What if they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo? Hmm. I mean, okay, fine. I don't know. That changes a lot. I feel like they have but to like, do something, I don't, though. I don't think Nick Foles is an answer for anybody. I know. I get I why. Mean, I mean, I get why you bring that up. But, I mean, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, Marcus Mariota, I don't know that Vegas would be willing to part with him. You know what I mean? Like, those all seem like more legitimate options to me. Uh, then or trade for Andy Dalton. There was the report that you know they were in, in on on him. I mean, free fields, free Trey Lance. You know, one of those things. But I mean, I just th- 
look, Heineke is not going to work out. I mean, he was fun last. Like, Maybe. What an insane turn of events, by the way, that he is going like nobody would have ever thought when he started that playoff game against Tampa that that would be the the first of two playoff games or two games he would start of their next three games as a franchise. Yeah, it's really weird. I know a lot of Washington fans were like excited about him after that game. And, and basically, mm-hmm. I think kind of a lot of fans, I think, wanted him to like be the starter. Like, and mm-hmm. and we're almost like a little bummed out when they signed Fitzpatrick. Um, at least that's what I kind of gauged over at Hogshaven since I've been checking in on them throughout the offseason. Uh, I think they can kind of, you know, ride it out with Heineke a little bit here, you know, see if he can do anything. But if he can't, I mean, you know, they still have a lot of time before I think the trade deadline's like November 2nd. So they have some time here to kind of figure out if they can piece this together. But I feel like they have to do something at some point. Because even, I mean, even if Heineke's good, like I don't love Kyle Allen as your top backup. So, uh, We'll see. We'll see how they ride this out. It is. Um, it looks rough. These are um, these are rough times for the Washington football team. Again, I I don't believe in them, but you don't. This isn't this isn't what I wanted to see happen. Um, so who do you have in this game? It is in Washington. They are three point favorites at the time of this recording, uh, which is just the ultimate indication at how juiceless the Giants are that they can't even be like even. With this team, when when they are down Ryan Fitzpatrick on a short week, you know what I mean? Like not just the next week, literally the a short week. The Giants are terrible. I will take Washington. I've talked myself into it. I just the Giants are that bad, dude. Especially when you look at the the trenches, just the mismatch there. I know Washington's defense didn't do a lot against the revamped Chargers offensive line, which I think is good, by the way. And that's a whole different topic. We'll see how the Cowboys do against that. But um, but I think they're going to eat against the Giants offensive line, which is not very good. I think we're going to see like a big Chase Young game on you know the first true Thursday night football game. As right, you said. right. Well done. Uh, yeah, and I think it's going to be a nice little game for Washington. I could see Heineke being like, oh, you know, people are excited. Like, oh, maybe he is this guy. I, c- I could see that playing out more than I could, uh, you know, the Giants. Like, oh, actually, the Giants are back on track. No, I. how could you? Again, like, what is the case for optimism when it comes to the Giants? Like, what are you, what is the thing you can point to and be like, well, there is that thing. And that's I, just, the, I don't That see the it. Bears are bad and you have their first round pick. That's it. That that's is true. all I think. Um, yeah. that's the only thing I, I will also say a predictable, like evolution of Thursday night, and this will be deserved, but it will be cause it's Thursday night football. So you know how that goes. Like it'll be late Thursday. We'll all be enjoying, you know, our nightcaps or whatever the case may be. I, I love this time of year, man. Just, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be here with you, but, uh, Ron, Ron Rivera will trot out, you know, from the tunnel and go join Colleen Wolf and Irvin and you know Steve Smith, whoever. Maybe Steve Smith's going to be there. The Ron Rivera thing, although a little awkward, um, you know, and and be like, yeah, we just fought, we just competed, and everybody be like, man, Ron Rivera got his team ready with Taylor Heineke and beat the New York Giants, and he will deserve an enormous amount of credit for that. But it will kind of be the context involved here that the Giants are that bad. My last question on this, BLG: more turnovers in Week Two specifically. Daniel Jones alone, and you have to take one or the other. You can't say push here. Or Daniel Jones. Or Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts combined. I already took Daniel Jones before you said the other thing. I did. It doesn't matter. I will take Daniel Jones. He he fumbles in like every game. It's like it's like it's a guarantee he's gonna fumble in the game. So that's like a good starting point. This is the rare two letters versus two numbers on the helmet matchup. So it'll be interesting to watch. Wow. Um, really so good uh, right on. BLG and I both on Washington. Uh, we'll be back next week and be getting ready for a Cowboys-Eagles Monday Night Football matchup. BLG, the final word as always belongs to you. Eagles. Eagles.